Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today to talk about this game, we've got Marissa Saez with us. Um, first of all, how's it going, Marissa? It's going good. It's going good. Just uh, finished with a good game, and now I'm ready to talk Buffs basketball. Awesome. Yeah, so it's been kind of like a, a weird couple of days. I had to go back up to Montana for a funeral. And so I uh, was obviously not in Boulder tonight. Uh, so instead, Marissa was there. I obviously like watched the game too. So, I mean, I'm on the podcast, obviously. I know what's happening. Uh, but yeah, so, so we're going to talk through this game. The Buffs won, what was that, 81 to 76 against Utah. Yep. And uh, it didn't always look that good. Um, what, what was going through your mind when the Buffs gave up like the 8-0 run to start? I, I didn't think they were going to come. I didn't think they were going to have the night that they had when they finished. That's for sure. I thought that it was going to be one of those nights where just everything was falling apart. Nothing made sense. And, um, you know, it was just, it was going to leave a bad taste in everybody's mouth, but, uh, they definitely did a 360 on that one. They did. I mean, look, this, this is now back to back wins, I guess, but before that Colorado had lost five of six and things were, really trending in the wrong direction. Now you don't have Elijah Parquet for the rest of the season. You don't have Lawson Lovering for the rest of the season. And there was a moment there, and I was talking to Ryan about this because he he got lucky on a bet. He accidentally put in the wrong number on a bet, but um, it was on Colorado, so it hit, and so he just won a bunch more money than he expected to. Of course. But I told him, like, there was a moment where I was looking through the buff schedule the rest of the way, and it's like, are they just going to – lose out like they look so bad we've seen them look so bad and it's like could they go to Oregon State and lose like probably not but it got dark there it got dark there for a minute yeah I mean I was looking at the stats after the game I mean even looking statistically everything they still look like they lost like the score doesn't reflect what you know their percentages on the field goal and the three point you know like none of it makes sense I think what kept them in the game was their free throws that was the one thing that I think kind of brought them over um, the edge, but yeah, I, I had no faith, you know, going into or the first couple minutes of the game, you know, half time, I was like, I don't know if they're going to pull this off because they're not the best at finishing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's just going to be one of those games that like sets it off and it could set the pace for the rest of the season. So I definitely agree with you. Yeah. Um, and let's, let's talk about the beginning of the game, I guess. Um, so Brandon Carlson, the, the big guy from Utah, mm-hmm. He was basically unstoppable. He had 21 points in the first half. He matched his career high for entire games with those 21 points. And 
I mean, the buffs just didn't really have any sort of answer for him. Well, what did you see there? You know, again, I think the biggest issue for the buffs has always been defense. Like they're, they're still trying to figure it out. They're trying to figure out, you know, like we talked about many times on our drives up to Boulder is their switches and their help defense and all of that. And I think that it's really hard because, you know, it puts the pressure on um, Batty and even, you know, Jabari, all these, the, the down low players, you know, the posts and the, the forwards, you know, to make up for stuff. And sometimes that they can't, like, you need that help defense to come help out. And I think they left a lot of open space for him to work. Um, and that was kind of the issue that they, that they were running into. He had way too much room. Um, and then of course the refs, the refs really helped out on a lot of stuff. And um, just kind of, you know, dumb fouls, you know, that were happening right and left also put certain players out that made it hard for, for the bus to adjust. Yep. And I think uh, another thing here, I mean, first of all, like whoever's guarding him just has to make things more difficult. Like you have to be closer to him. You can't give him so much space, all those sorts of things. But also it would have been really nice to have lost and lovering, not because like, I really think that he would have been able to stop him from scoring because I mean, it's Lawson and he still has plenty of growing up to do, but right. still, just to have that option to have somebody who's taller than six foot nine yeah. to, to throw out there against somebody who's seven feet tall. You know, this is, this is what we were worried about. You know, Colorado is a pretty small team, a really small team now that Lawson's gone and that caught up to him in that first half. Now, luckily they're able to turn things around mostly because Evan was able to just go be big and strong and, and keep him away from the basket and make the looks right. a little bit tougher. He wound up scoring four points in the second half after scoring 21 in the first, but still, I mean, anytime that the buffs go into a game where you're, you're facing somebody who could be, you know, in contention to be an all pack 12, seven footer, it's going to be really, really scary because you're just lacking somebody who has the length to contest those shots. Even if Lawson probably would have fouled him three, four times and, and done those things. Right. I mean, it, it's a fresh rotation. It's someone new that's getting in their new body. It's mixing things up and it gives, you know, Batty and others the chance to relax for a second, you know, and then go back in and try it again. And I, I felt like there wasn't a lot of room, like I said, to, to create something different. It was kind of just a consistent thing, which made it hard for Batty. Um, you know, to, to work and, and to have a new insight when he was going up against him. So, yeah. And, and honestly, that was really the story of the first half was just Colorado couldn't stop him. I mean, the score was 36, 33 at halftime and he had 21 of those 36 points and, and things changed a little bit in the second half. You know, looking through this, I'm surprised to see that Utah scored more in the second half. Like, it, it didn't feel yeah. like that was the way. And I guess the Buffs just scored so much. It felt like they were not dominating, but but playing much better. The second half, though, I, I really thought that it was just Jabari Walker who took over. I from With like five minutes left in the game, it was just all his. Yeah, I mean, he completely took over. He was the spark that got the team going. Um, and he really, I mean, he just wanted it. And you could see it as he was going down the court. He was making the right decisions. Um, and he, I mean, he gave it all he had, and obviously it reflected tonight because it was the reason why the buffs, I truly think won. Absolutely. And he, he was so efficient. He with, with what I think in the last five minutes of the game, he scored 11 points. Utah as a team scored 11 points. Yeah. He just yeah. matched so him down matched the stretch. And then you wind him. up with yep. like the free throws at the end from Tristan, uh, a couple of big misses from Keyshawn. We'll get to those in a second, but <laughs> Jabari puts up 22 points in 23 minutes. He's six of 10 from, from the field, 
nine of nine from the free throw line, uh, 13 rebounds. That's uh, his third straight double double. I think his is 13th on the season, which is the best in the Pac-12. He's starting. It seems like he's starting to become a little bit more consistent than he was in the beginning of the season. And on top of that, you know, he's showing up and giving you the big spurts, these 11 points in the last five minutes when when the Buffs need them. I mean, you you didn't really follow along with the Buffs before this season. Do you feel no. like you're seeing any differences from him? Yeah, I do. I think I've seen, I mean, I'm seeing differences just within the team itself, but he's playing smarter. He's taking smarter shots. I think like the first game that you and I watched, he was kind of just throwing stuff up. Um, mm-hmm. And I really felt like the team was a very like me, me, me. Um, and it seemed like they did a really good job feeding to him today or creating those open spaces because he was hot. Um, and, and that's, I think the difference, but he also like, the big thing is he didn't force anything. So if he wasn't open, he moved the ball. Um, there was good rotation. Um, he also played off the ball really well and he read the court really, you know, he did had great court awareness. And so I think, I think he's definitely growing. I would say for the future, it would be nice to have him start earlier, um, kind of getting hot and stuff like that, because I think these later type, you know, momentums are going to cause them to lose and it's not going to be the best for them when they go against teams that are competitive. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I think it's obviously really exciting to see him play this well, but it's also, this was kind of the expectation coming into the season was that he was going to be this guy and that's what they needed to, to be competitive in the pack 12. No, it's, they're in kind of a tough spot now. They're, they're a month away from the pack 12 championship game and you have to, you have to fix everything by then because at this point, Colorado's not going to make it to the NCAA tournament unless they win the Pac-12 tournament. Right. And, and that means I, I think that there's probably a little bit of pressure off of them knowing that it's not that these games don't matter, but if you lose them, it, it doesn't really change the ultimate goal. Like you, your back's up right. against the wall once you get to March 9th or whenever that tournament starts, regardless of what happens between now and then. It is nice to see that he's kind of rounding into form. And I thought Evan had a really good night too. Um, You know, not so efficient shooting the ball. I think he was six of 14, but in that first half when nobody could score, he at least was able to get the ball and make something happen. You know, there were kind Mm -hmm. of tricky post hooks and those sorts of things, but he was at least getting real basketball shots up when it feels like in the past, those are situations where, Maybe KJ runs into the lane and he's out of control and winds up just throwing something up over his head. And, and for Evan, you know, again, not super efficient, but he's he's given the ball in some pretty tough circumstances and he's able to go six for 14 with 16 points. Um, I think 10 of those points in the first half when they were really struggling. Just a nice steadying force, I thought, tonight. Yeah, yeah. And and like I said, you know, earlier, it's you can see that maturity growing and even for Batty, you see him kind of stepping into that leadership role that you would expect him to be in um, and kind of taking control and slowing down the ball. There was many times tonight that he calmed everybody down because I think our guards are still a little trigger happy and they want to just go in there and see what they can do. Um, and so, like I said, those off screen, you know, shots and those, those pick and rolls, like he was trying to move the floor. And I also think that's what helped Walker also find himself is, you know, that, that smooth movement that was happening down low. And I think it all starts with Batty. Totally. Um, you know, down the stretch, the buffs 
played well, obviously. They pulled it out. Jabari was a big part of that. But in that stretch, Keyshawn, uh, Keyshawn missed those two free throws. What, what was, what was yeah. it like in the arena when, when he missed those? There, you know what? There was a lot of emotion tonight from the fans to start off with. I mean, from the start, the refs were not the best, um, and it really kind of fueled people. And so I was actually surprised because normally, you know, when you miss free throws, it's like, oh, you know, like, okay. Um, but the whole entire gym was, like, loud when he missed it, and it oh. was like, oh, come on, like, why? And I'm like, you know, like, I think people are also frustrated you know, with Keyshawn just a little bit. I think there's, yep. you want to talk about growing. I think there's some space for him to start figuring that out. <laughs> Definitely. And and I think that that's probably still the biggest question mark at this point is just, what do you do at point guard? Yeah, I do. I mean, you lean toward just not shaking things up um, because it can cause some controversy in the locker room and all those sorts of things. Right. But I also think that if, if Keyshawn or KJ can go on a big run and, and put together a few good games. This job probably is there for the taking, um, but, but they really struggled. And, and the buffs in general down the stretch, it's not like those, those shots from Keyshawn were the only thing that went wrong. I mean, there, there was the play from KJ where he tries to go behind his back and just about loses the ball. And then yeah. he tries to pass it to, uh, I think he tries to pass it to Tristan potentially or neek and it winds up just throwing the ball out of bounds yeah. or maybe that was Tristan. the point is it was really ugly down the stretch um despite jabari walker kind of covering up those problems because you can't feed him in the post and he's going to go up and get the ball and he's going to find a way to put it in um right it, well and i think I, go ahead You're um, good. i think even i think even to a point like jabari started taking the ball and handling it himself. There was a couple times that I saw some really good ball handling from him and he didn't even look to the point guard or the shooting guards. You know, he himself was trying to do it all and luckily, you know, ended up in his favor tonight. But there isn't a specific, I would say, or solid point guard yet. I think that that's something, like you said, they've been dealing with the entire season. Um, but it, it's all about ball control and, and making those smart decisions. And I, I don't think yet that anybody has stepped up to that role and really showed that. I think there's some games where, you know, KJ or, you know, Keyshawn, they'll show it, but it's not consistent enough to say that, you know, this is who needs to, to be in the role of starting point guard. It's frustrating. At the same time, again, like if you're just trying to win in the Pac-12 tournament, you're all you need is, is for the point guard to be good for those four games or, or whatever it winds up being. And if you can get one of them hot at the right time, great. But it's scary. It's scary not having that position solidified, especially after the way the Buffs have held it. At the same time, though, you know, the Buffs have had McKinley Wright as, as their starting point guard. They've had the better point guard in every one of these games they've played in the Pac-12 tournament for years. But still, last year, they, they lose to Oregon State when Oregon State gets hot, when they had no business being that hot, and they wind up riding that all the way to the Sweet 16 after they wouldn't have made the tournament. Year before that, Washington State beats the Buffs when, again, Washington State should not have beaten that Colorado team. That was right before the world shut down. And so you've seen Colorado kind of be on the wrong side of these hot teams who shouldn't beat them because Colorado is just well put together and, and ready to make a, a run in the NCAA tournament. Who knows? Maybe maybe the, the script is kind of flipped this time around and they can figure something out at the right time. Yeah, I, I hope so. I think that 
this year's battle is obviously, you know, a mental game or a maturity game versus a talent game. Cause you look at these players individually and they bring so much to the table. They just haven't connected yet. So, and, and, and for this team, I think to be successful, they need to find a balance. Like I think too many times you go in and, you know, down low, they're really hot. And then, you know, the guards they're they're struggling and then vice versa, you have the guards that are on and, you know, the posts that aren't doing anything. And so I just, I feel like, there needs to be an even balance for them mm-hmm. to continuously move forward because when you go into these bigger games, you know, the teams that are in these tournament games that are on the top teams, they all have it figured out, they're clutch. And it is easy for C- CU has the potential to go in and, and do something. They actually have the potential to surprise people, but they got to figure out how to find a way to truly connect. And I don't think as a team, they've, they've all fully merged together I think there's still some individual playing and I think that's why you're seeing such different and inconsistent you know nights um, where some players are doing better than others yep and they've got about three and a half weeks to figure it out which is (laughs) kind of scary um before we get out of here let's uh let's just do a power ranking from the game tonight we're just gonna we're gonna take turns picking players and say who had the best night real quick though before we do that want to give a shout out to our friends over at Lightshade, and specifically, we want to tell you about uh, the Wana products that they have over at Lightshade Dispensary. So, Wana is the best product out there to help you with your sleep. Um, it comes in 20 to 100 THC to CBD. So, again, that's mostly CBD, but a little bit of THC in there too. And the idea is that it really does help you sleep. Um, they're a holistic plant-based solution. They tackle the root causes of sleeplessness. They they aren't just making you drowsy, which sometimes is the case with these sorts of things. Uh, they'll they'll make you pretty tired within five to fifteen minutes. So they work quickly, and they've been closely calibrating this formula, and it winds up being ten milligrams of CBD with just a tiny bit of that THC. Uh, they throw a little bit of melatonin in there too. And then they also put in some CBG and CBN, which you might not have heard of, but they're very rare cannabinoids, and they help relieve stress and stiffness and discomfort. And they, they call the flavor Dream Berry. It's really good. And you can get that over at Lightshade Dispensary. It's Colorado's premier dispensary chain. They've got 10 convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. There's actually going to be an 11th on March 1st, so just around the corner. So many awesome spots to check out. And at all of them, you can get 25% off all non-sale items with the code DNVR. All you got to do is just say that you listen to the podcast and use that code DNVR. You can shop online at lightshade.com and make sure that you do that. Also, want to give a shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, this is the last chance to get in on the NFL offers. So all playoffs they've been doing, 56 to 1 odds for new users on any game. You just got picked the winner of whichever game you want. Obviously, this is the last playoff game coming on Sunday. Uh, DraftKings is an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, and you can bet $5 to win $180 on either team to win the Super Bowl. So definitely make sure that you get in on that. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's awesome stuff. DraftKings Sportsbook, the best out there. You can bet all the props to MVP octopus all those different things so don't miss out i'll I'll let you go first who do you think had the best night tonight obviously jabari yeah i mean he just he killed it i he had 
you know, just a great smooth game and he really pushed it out. And he's the reason why, you know, the crowd was into it and the team was into it. And it mm. was just a solid all around game from him tonight. All right. I'll, I'll take uh number two here, but yeah, I mean, Jabari is the easy answer. Like it's, it's not even yeah. close for number one. No. And like he, he was the most effective player over the course of the game. But on top of that, he did his best work in the most important times. And you look through the stat sheet, and it's like, okay, he he leads in points. He leads in yep. rebounds. He leads in steals. And, and he just did so many different things on top of doing them all so efficiently. Like, yeah, he's a clear number one. A number two, oh, sure. I'm, you know, I'm going to go a little bit off the board here. I'm going to say Neat Clifford. Um, I, was, I was a little disappointed that they didn't put him back in at the end of the game. They keep riding with KJ and Keyshawn, and I, I don't know. I don't, I don't need to like play psychologist with Tad and try to figure out what he's doing there. But it just seems like Neek is one of those guys who, like Evan in that first half, you could just get him the ball and he can make something happen. Like he is so crafty, and it just surprises me to see him play that way. You know, I, I think we've talked about this before, maybe not, but he comes from the Vanguard School in Colorado Springs. There's less than 300 kids at that school, not like in the graduating class, but in the entire school, like he's playing against, I, I, I bet there were games where the other team didn't have somebody over six foot one and he's out there at six, five or six, six or whatever else. And the fact that he is so polished is just surprising to me. Like he seems like because of the athleticism, because of the size, he should have been able to just dominate and he should be kind of like in that loss and lovering spot where he's just trying to use his size to, to body guys and it doesn't really work but he is just so crafty he can get by players you know it just seems like if they get him the ball something good happens every time and even though what he's he's fifth in scoring um there were four or five guys who played more than he did i'm gonna put him at number two just because like he didn't miss he had 10 points on four or four shooting uh, the rebounding was a little bit light, but he has a couple assists. He has the steal. I was pretty early in the game. Just an, a really solid performance again from Neek. And I think that with Eli out, it's been a lot of fun to see him in the starting lineup. And I think that he should probably be out there closing games. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. I 100% agree with you. And, you know, he kind of did a little bit of trash pickup tonight too, I think, where, you know, he got mm-hmm. some some stuff that I think kind of kept the team in the game still. Um, and I think that's an, an important part because that if they would have kept just, you know, chipping off the, or Utah kept chipping off, they wouldn't have been able to come back the way that they did. So um, yeah. my next person, you would think that I was going to say Batty, um, but I actually, I'm going to go with the Silva. Um, mm-hmm. And the reason why is he hit some big threes um, today. And I think that, you know, you're starting to see a little more out of him um, and he's being more accurate and smart what he's doing. But yeah, he had some big plays tonight that definitely kept him in the game. Um, and he just, he, he's not always the most noticeable player, I would say. He kind of hides in the, the shadows. But I think there were some glimpses of him that tonight that like popped out. I mean, he had 14, 14 points, I think. Yeah, 14 points. Uh, and, and he even got some rebounds and some assists in there. So I, I think he was an all-around, you know, a, a consistent, easy player to, to watch tonight. Definitely. And, you know, when Jabari is making those plays down the stretch, 
I mean, there were a couple of really great passes from Tristan to him in the post. And that's something that, you know, especially with this team should not be understated like that. That has yeah. been a struggle just feeding these big guys. Well, he finishes four assists, which is tied for yep, the most on the team with KJ. Again, he, he hasn't become the most consistent player in 10 points last time, four points before that. But he's starting to figure it out. And he's just one of those guys where you look at him, you're like, yeah, you're 6'9", 6'10". Your shoulders are so broad. You're going to pack on another 20 or 25 pounds in the next couple of years. And he's he's going to be really good. I, I think that that was a solid choice for number three. I was tempted to take it for the last one, but... Plus the free yeah. throws down the stretch. Gotta give him credit for those free yeah. throws at the end. That, that, that too, and, and just the fact that this was a big game and there's a lot of pressure. And when you're down, it's so easy to get in your head and just like make mistakes and throw it or just mm. get down on yourself. And he stayed calm. I mean, a lot of the two threes he hit, it was wide open. He got set and it took time for him to shoot it. So it wasn't just a quick shot that he didn't have to think about. He really put in the thought process. So, yep. I'll go. Uh... I'll go with Evan here for number four. And I've talked about most of my thoughts here, like not the most efficient two for four from three is always, I don't want to say surprising, but it's a lot of fun. Like you see it and you're like, yeah, that's right. right. Evan's a three point shooter. And that's probably the most fun thing that could have happened this season. But for sure, I mean, he just does so much, you know, when, when they can't find a stop for that seven footer or find some sort of answer, just go to Evan and make make Evan focus in on that, make him stay away from the basket. And, and it worked out pretty well. And it's not like he was perfect defensively, but also he's six foot eight. He's giving up four inches to a guy who's incredibly hot at the time. I think that Evan's efforts defensively were good. I think offensively too, you know, he can get caught up in that six for 14, but he was just not put in good situations and again, like he's not one of those guys who's calling for shots. There's a difference between being like Russell Westbrook out there trying to get a shot up whenever you can. Evan has 14 shots, four more than anybody else on the team, just because they needed him to. Like that's not him being a ball hog. That's nobody else can get anything close to the rim. Let's try, let's try a little spin move in the post and see if we can get it, it to fall. And they just needed that. They needed 16 points at whatever rate just to be able to stay in this game when they were struggling to score. Right. Right. And I, and I also think like, you know, he really did well off the pick and roll tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of times that he just, they, that the guard didn't see him or didn't feed it to him and they tried to go for themselves, but he was open every single time. And it's that, that pick and roll off the top of the, you know, the, the key that, you know, opens it up for him. And those were a couple of the points that he gained there. I think if they kept feeding him, he would have had more points and actually, um, it left him. I, I think the minute that you brought out the big, it was hard for him to match Evan foot, footwork wise. So mm-hmm. it, it was, it was, he did a great job tonight. And, and like I said, he kept his head level. And I think every single time that there was an issue or that, you know, the refs weren't calling it their way, he always brought the team back to which you gotta, you gotta recognize the leadership as well, because he kept the team calm in situations that it was, it would have been easy for them to fall apart. Definitely. Definitely. Um, see, we're you've got number five now. Who do you have for number oh, five man. here? It's uh, a tough one. I want to have to go with Keyshawn. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was stuck. I was trying to decide between Keyshawn or KJ. I think Keyshawn's probably the right call. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I do like KJ and I actually enjoy watching him play. And I do think he, he brings so much to the table, but Keyshawn really, you know, I think did a, a good job of finding good shots and he's really good off the dribble. I mean, um, you know, the stop where you, you just pop up and shoot it. He did really well tonight. Um, and he didn't take so much of those long shots that you, you've seen him take where they're rushed and he's just throwing his hands up and, you know, he, he went inside and he, he did a good, a better job um, of taking the smart shot instead of the four shot. Yep. And I mean, puts up 14 points. Like at the end of the day, if we're saying Evan Batty, we need you to just find a way to put the ball in the basket, no matter how many tries it takes. Keyshawn can do some of that too. On top of that, I mean, he's, I think probably still in the best stretch of basketball of his career. Again, that's mostly because he has one good game and then has a bad game, but he shoots better than 50% from three in each of the last two, puts up 16 in each of the last two, 40% shooting, putting up 14 points. Like, sure. I mean, that's, that's a solid way to round out a three game stretch, but now you better go put another good one out there. It's those free throws at the end that really stand out though, to me. Like that's what makes it so tough to put them up high. Well, and it's always fun. It's always funny thinking of like free throws. They're the easiest shot, I think, to Mm -hmm. take, but they're always the most missed because it's just overthinking or, you know, can't focus in. And it shows a little bit of, you know, the player that Keyshawn is when he can't, when those big moments happen and people do rely on him and he can't deliver. It's tough. And you just have to hope that that means. He, he has nightmares about it tonight and winds up going to the gym early tomorrow and getting an extra 50 free throws in. Yes, it's that extra free throws at the end of practice, you know, that count. Yep. Um, I guess we can probably cut it off there. I mean, KJ, Luke O'Brien, Julian Hammond. I mean, Hammond was barely out there. But, I mean, he has two turnovers in 11 minutes. Luke O'Brien doesn't score a point, but he has two turnovers in his time out there. And KJ, you know... Again, two of five, four assists and a turnover, five points. Quiet night, but he does what he does, I guess. The Buffs did enough to win. And, I mean, I really didn't think that they were coming back this time. I really thought they were dead in the water. No, I mean, I I text you, I think, towards the end of the game. um, You know, obviously, my job is to get those highlights, you know, get the social Mm -hmm. media going. And I was like, I... You know, I, there was a long stretch I didn't post anything because <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I don't know what they're they're going to pull out or how they're going to fix this. But um, I am surprised with them and they are growing. I just I hope that they can lock it in um, as we turn around the corner for the tournament. Yep. And I mean, just looking ahead a little bit. Oh, I pulled up the wrong page here. One more. Oh, there it is. OK, so so next they're at Oregon State. This is another one of those long road trips. It's the same thing that happened a couple of weeks ago with Oregon, then Washington, the Washington State. You get the big win against Oregon, and then two kind of tough losses. Now, because of COVID, and the, they had to reschedule the Oregon State game, it's that same thing where they tack on that Oregon State game on Tuesday, and then they're at Cal on Thursday, then at Stanford on Saturday. And this is a big stretch. And again, I mean, I don't think that there's a path for them to, to make the tournament unless they... Who knows? Maybe if they win out but lose the Pac-12 championship game, they could. But you just are trying to figure out what you have here. And these road trips are tough. And Oregon State, I mean, we just saw Oregon State. That's a team that's won three games so far this season. You're on the road, though, and that's always going to be a challenge. 
Cal, maybe the biggest overperformer in the Pac-12 this year. And they're what, like five and 11 or something like that. They were supposed to be right there with Oregon State at the bottom. So those are two really winnable games. Then you have a Stanford team that actually right now is tied with Colorado for seventh place in the Pac-12. And so these are three winnable games. It's just really hard to win on the road. Um, first question, do you think 3-0 and or 0-3 and is more likely? Oh, man. <laughs> I want to have faith um, mm-hmm. in the buffs, but I want to go 0-3. I just, I, I think mm-hmm. it's it's been really hard for them. And I think that, like you said, on the road, it's already tough as it is. I mean, you're, you're traveling and your body aches and there's so many things that go into traveling um, that are not fun that you're already battling against. But I mean, like I said tonight, like they got lucky um, that they decided that things turned around um, and this could have really set the pace for the rest of the season tonight. Um, but I don't know if it's enough. I don't know if this win is enough to keep the momentum going. I think they're going to have to find it really, really deep inside them to get it go to get their their uh, motivation and their determination. So I'm going to say zero and three. Okay, I think you know I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say okay three and zero is more likely an zero and three. And I think the tough part is just like how bad is Oregon State? Like they they can you really? I, I, well, let's look through these. <laughs> So I'm pretty sure it's been even worse recently. Okay, here we go. Um, so obviously, uh, well, they've actually played Cal tonight, only lost by two at home. Before that, lose by 23 at Colorado. Before that, they lose by 25 at Utah. Uh, lose by 22 at Oregon. Like, there's just so many big numbers in here. And they're playing some decent teams. But it's been, what, over, easily over a month since they last played a competitive game. I have to think that Colorado finds a way to win that one. But at the same yeah, time, it's I, like uh, buffs on the road. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous about this trip. Yeah. I mean, I obviously want to be like supportive and, and I, and I don't, I mean, it's so drastic to say it three. I, I think they'll pull out <laughs> a win, um, yeah. but I, I, I can't be a hundred percent faithful in the fact that they're mm-hmm. going to just go on this road, dominate, and then come home and, and surprise us. I think there's going to be some surprising turnouts um, in the next, in the next week. Yep. All right. I, I think that that basically wraps it up. Good win. Good win. Any win is a yeah. good win at this point. And the buffs are 15 and nine overall. They're seven and seven in the pack 12. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for going up to Boulder and, and watching that yeah. game. We'll, uh, we'll talk soon. I guess, I guess the buffs aren't back in Boulder until next weekend, but I'm sure we'll be back up there for Arizona and Arizona state then. Yep. We'll be back. And, uh, this time you'll be there. So (laughs) this time I will be there. Well, let's knock on wood that nobody else dies or something, but yeah, next time plan on being back up there. Uh, and I don't know. Well, we can be excited until they play again on Tuesday. Perfect. Yep. And I look forward to it. Thanks.